Hi, this is Ashley Farode and you're listening to Behind the Bio, the podcast about the people behind the professions. On this particular episode, Dimitri Weber is my guest. He is the CEO and founder of Goldfield & Banks, which is an Australian luxury fragrance brand. It's not every day that you get to speak to an expert in the luxury perfume industry. So as you could imagine, I've been waiting for this one for quite some time. If you go through Dimitri's background in France and Europe, he has had some amazing jobs, all in the luxury space, whether it's marketing, product, packaging, and of course, fragrance development. His works with such brands as L'Oreal Lux, Cartier, Tom Ford, Narcisco Rodriguez, Issey Miyake, Ellie Saab, and Mercedes-Benz, I could keep going, but as you could imagine, there is a world of experience in that. Now, Dimitri, at some point, said there is an opportunity here in Australia to create an Australian brand of luxury fragrances and really represent what this country has to offer in terms of native ingredients. So we do talk about Dimitri's career rise, but of course the development of his business and how it's quite different to the various other luxury brands, especially in fragrances that are available around the world. If you're interested in perfumes, fragrances, fashion, design, aesthetics, then most certainly this is the podcast for you. And if you'd like to hear from someone that has a real nose for scent, so to speak, again, this is going to be enthralling. I'd like to thank Super Curious for being the partners behind this podcast. And I hope you enjoy this candid conversation with Dimitri Weber from Goldfield and Banks. Hello, Dimitri. How are you going? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? Very good. I just wanted to thank you uh, massively for making the time to talk to me. I, I know you're super busy of all the things that you do. So it's actually quite amazing that you've managed to fit me in. So thank you. Big appreciation. <laughs> More than welcome. More than welcome. Where are you based? I'm in Canberra. Canberra. Fantastic. Okay. Lovely. And it's probably actually worth saying at this point, the connection here is that my wife, Emily Coates, runs Ivy Social, which looks after your social media. And that's the connection that we've got. Yes. Um, and I've been hearing all these amazing things about, you know, your business, how it's grown over the last couple of years. And actually, more interestingly about you, which I find really, really intriguing. Huh? So I think what we'll try to do, I don't know how we're going to fit this into the, the conversation, but I've got so many questions. But, you know, the first thing, I'd love to just talk about you, the profession that you're in is unusual. I mean, in the sense that it's not many people that I know that work in the industry that you are, especially in, in Australia. Um, and so I'd love to kind of talk about your background and, and how you got into the world that you're in and ultimately how you created the brand of Goldfield and Banks, you know, now that it's stocked worldwide and everything else. It's so exciting. But about you first, mm. how did this happen? Did, did you know when you were a young boy that this was going to be the case? Did, did something else push you in that direction? Oh, wow. Well, now we're going very, very intimate. Um, no, I mean, I, I've always, I've always had a passion for perfume and for beauty in general. Like I was always as a child attracted to beautiful things like beautiful dressed women, beautiful dressed men, you know, beautiful lipstick, beautiful makeup products. Um, and from a very early age, even at school, I was in boarding school for many years. And even at school, in boarding school, teachers would come to me to ask for my advice when it comes to fragrances. And I was a little boy. I didn't have any schooling or anything, but I had a nose for fragrances. And, mm -hmm. and I could I could recall fragrances and I could, you know, remember scents and pick out, pick um, and, and, and um, you know, s s sort of... Um, um, 
detect what they were wearing and i don't know i just i just build a sense for sense yeah. <laughs> as a, from an early age and um but i never knew i was going to do i was i was going to have a career in, in in perfume so i mean i was born french belgian and um i did plastic arts so for me um i was very i was much more attracted to fashion than 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 beauty you know mm-hmm. when i was becoming a teenager and you know during my let's say my youth um my teenage years i was very much into fashion and then fragrances was sort of okay it became less of a passion but i always had perfume yeah i always i was always wearing perfumes i was always attracted to it and then anyway i I was very very fortunate to meet very interesting people beautiful people uh at a very early age because uh, you know when you are a student you always you always look for a job an interesting job and a lot of a lot of my colleagues at school um were working in restaurants and in hospitality in general and found myself too precious and too good to work in the hospitality i don't know <laughs> i just couldn't do it with the smells of the kitchen and you know everything i did it once i think and that was it mm. so i would i'd rather work in in a department store and sell perfumes and i was super young and i don't know for some reason i got into I got into fragrances and 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 this one woman uh, who's still a very dear friend of mine um she worked at YSL and she always believed in me she knew that there was something in me that was you know this little sparkle that uh, in in fragrances and and she hired me um as just you know a sales boy in fragrances for a few years and then mm. and then I worked my way up to you know to to in education and marketing and you know development and then i had my career and i had my own business so that's how i started like it really started from a very early age mm. yeah but it kind of seems like i mean you definitely followed what i would say is a natural instinct i, I mean you were talking about you know the love of aesthetics uh, in all its formats that you've just mentioned yeah. but also you did follow pardon the pun your nose here a little bit in the sense that you knew you had an ability that perhaps others didn't and it seems like you were choosing directions and rather than forcing against that i.e. working hospitality you kind of went i need to get into something that i'm going to enjoy and actually but that might give me that opportunity and in some way obviously the ysl thing was a bit of a luck but also that luck happened because you were open to that and you were saying look this is where i need to be and somebody clearly saw your talent and then it went from there someone clearly saw my talent and she remained a very good friend of mine um and and yeah i mean you know i think where there's a will there's a way um mm. but you have to be good you know you have to be good and i was and i was happy in a way that i had a passion for for retail and a passion for um for merchandising and staging fragrances so i knew i loved this whole universe of marketing development launches you know all of that so i wanted to have a taste i wanted to have a little bit of a taste of everything before actually um how do i say that before before going to the next chapter in my career do you know what i mean like um a lot of people say oh mm. you know oh, i i have done sales whatever um but if you don't do proper sales in in fragrances for a few years you know how how will you be able to understand your customer how will you be able to 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 um envisage 
the next your next role into this industry you know so um i find very a lot of people skip some some phases in their career yeah and it's not a good thing i think you have to start from scratch start from you know um yeah and 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 that's probably the reason why today i'm i'm doing well and and i mean it's a lot of hard work obviously <laughs> oh, clearly <laughs> and i love the advice because essentially the the goldfield and banks representation everything obviously at its core level the scent and how unique and special it is but right through to the packaging to the presentation to the marketing all of those things it, it's a full package part in the pun and i love the fact that you're saying that you didn't skip some parts but rather had experience in all of them so by the time it came to doing your own thing you definitely had an ability to kind of lean into all of those. Can I actually just go back to that one point, that moment of decision-making to start your own thing. At that point, was that a um, a challenging idea? Did, did you did you find that somewhat difficult or was it an easy step? Um, you know, a lot of people who go on business on their own, despite perhaps being very skilled and, and all the rest of in it, still find the prospect of going out on their own quite worrying um, how did you find it? How, how did you take that? Well, uh, when I think about it now, and I spoke this morning with a friend of mine, and um, to be quite honest, I, I I still don't know how, where I got that strength and the guts to do it, because I moved to a foreign country, mm. which is miles away from my home country, um, knowing nobody i knew and I, I didn't know anybody in this country except from a few people um you know in the first few weeks month um and you know then deciding to create a fragrance house and to launch and um it was very challenging um i think obviously if i would have done that in europe it would have been so much easier because mm. i feel that european mentality in business and in especially in retail and in the beauty world um there's camaraderie i don't know how you call that camaraderie people tend to support each other elevate you help you um and i feel that in australia it's very different um mm. i didn't i didn't feel the um the embracement or the you know the the the, um, the support you know um and that made it even more challenging um but that forged my my character and my determination to to succeed. After all, you know, I mean, I am a professional. I've been in this industry for thirty years, and you know, I have a, what we call a carnet d'adresse. You know, I have my contacts and I have a, you know my skills. And you know, uh, and today it's incredible to see that even without the support of many people in this industry here in this country, um, but the support from obviously. Um, you know, media and, and our customers and in the support of my team, um, I was able to 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 develop a significant, um, successful luxury fragrance house. And today across the world from, you know, the UK to the US to mm -hmm. every other country, you know, we are that one beautiful brand from Australia, that one luxury fragrance house from Australia. And people do say, Dimitri, do you realize what you've done? I mean, before you, no, no one would talk about Australia when it comes to fragrances. And now you've changed that. And, and now people look at, you know, what is going on in Australia in terms of fragrances. And I've sort of um, uh, waved the path, I think, and 
and open some doors and and being being acknowledged for that is is a great um is a great milestone but then again i mean it's it's um yeah it's it's very um it's it's a lot of work and a lot of the thing that you've just mentioned that if you stayed in europe it would have potentially been a little bit easier to set up the brand that you did um and it's interesting that the challenge of what australia was and doing it here and, and the cultural challenge as well that you just mentioned as well in terms of lack of support and rather the competition that exists weirdly ended up being almost a great benefit because you managed to turn that around yeah. into something that essentially therefore represents australia now it's it's um it's a really nice uh, position i mean there wasn't competition at all when i started mm. when i came here 10 years ago there was no competition in in, in australian fragrances because it yeah. just did not exist it just did not exist a brand that would you know celebrate extraordinary beauty and and develop you know all those natives and fragrances it just didn't exist so and i knew there was a gap i knew with my you know i've, I've worked in, in in fragrance marketing and i worked for big brands like tom ford and you know cartier and and, and jean paul gautier and all these big blockbuster fragrances um so I, I knew a bit about the trend so i knew australia was 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 out there it was there in skincare and fashion and fragrance would be the next thing and i was very surprised and still surprised today how little um support you get from a lot of the people in the industry who just don't really you know or don't really celebrate what they have in the country um it's very interesting for example, one of my, one of my first um, stockists was Barney's in New York. Like one of my premium major stockists stores was Barney's. They were, and they were very trendsetting and they, they, they knew like that was going to be the next big thing. And we did very well there until obviously they closed down mm -hmm. uh, for many different reasons. But when it comes to trends, I mean, I think, yes, I think I've set, set the trend. And of course, there's a lot of Australian fragrance houses out there today. Can I ask about the, the cultural change as well? Do you think um, there is a difference in terms of European appreciation of fragrances and scents uh, versus what's in Australia? I'm, I'm presuming that would have changed over a period of time, but do you think the idea of scents and fragrances and how it celebrates, whether it's Australian um, kind of scents, whether it's your own self-expression and all these other things, do you have you seen a cultural change over you know the last 10 years or so in the way that Australians have embraced that in a way that Europeans have for a very long time mm. yeah it definitely changed it definitely shifted um I think before I started my fragrance house I I definitely did the market research I had to dive deeper into it before putting my money into it and my my time my energy and my you know my everything in it so um i did my market research and i knew people were waiting for it the the australian customer was waiting for a, a luxury australian fragrance house to arise and, mm. and but it wasn't there so it's it's funny because it's yeah it, it and on one side customers were ready and then on the other side you had the people in the industry um that were like uh, very reluctant to say oh no but we want french we want american of course we love french brands we love italian brands um but there is room for for australian brands you know um if you travel when you travel to milan and you, you land in malpensa you will have ads from versace to gucci to prada celebrating italian luxury um 
you go to Paris, you know, you celebrate Chanel, Hermès and Dior, you know, you go to England, you will see fabulous um, British brands, Burberry. And yeah. so when you come to Australia, you would expect, instead of seeing Burberry and Chanel and Dior, you would expect to see luxury, Australian luxury, like Zimmerman, is beautiful, Aesop, um, and of course, Goldfield and Banks. And that's why we are doing so well, for example, um, in an international airport and and. Funny enough to see that in the rankings, our seventy percent of our audience and our customers are Australians. So it's actually quite interesting. Um, and 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 you know, buying something, buying Australian luxury, it's interesting. Um, and that that is changing over time. But thanks to our customers who are promoting it and who are supporting it, uh, supporting it, that's how we get there. So I think you know, once once retail, the big retailers, you know. The big department stores once they will wake up then i think the sky is going to be the limit for australian luxury fragrances um but it still is very very yeah, it's in its infancy I, I would say compared to the rest of the world and yeah. asia all of that where things are a lot faster mm, but it offers a lot of opportunity i mean that's the interesting thing about that too so just like you saw the opportunity in Australia to present that brand, yeah, you know the infancy that you're talking about now means that you probably have a lot of other ideas, but potentially other creative houses, whether it's fashion or what have you, may also actually go. Wait a minute, we could really explore this, build some national pride around the aesthetics that we can produce, uh, not only for ourselves but of course for the world as well. So, well, I always compare it with the wine industry, you know. The wine industry in Australia, probably 50 years ago, you would go into a liquor store and Australian wines was probably on the bottom shelf and it would all have been French and, and, and you know, German uh, Rieslings and uh, whatever. Um, now you walk into a liquor store, you really have to look and search for the French wines. Yeah. So things have shifted. So why all of a sudden you would buy an Australian wine? Well, because we have the grapes, we have the soil, we have the environment. And it's the same with fragrances. We have those natives and those native ingredients, which are beautiful and untapped. So we are introducing them into, into the fragrance world. And it's, it's something new, you know, everything. I think it's a challenge for everyone that starts something new or, or in, you know, um, comes up with a new idea, with a new project. And, and yeah, yeah. it's, it's very interesting. It's, it's super interesting, actually, when I think about it. But yeah, yeah, we're we're very happy today, and and that's the that's the main thing that we're happy with. We've got you know, um, we yeah. I mean, everything goes so fast today. Yeah, yeah, it is. I, but I, I love the fact that Goldfield and Banks, and maybe because, like I said, I've been across it for all these years. Uh, just you know, keeping an ear on what Emily's saying and so forth. But it's amazing how you've carved out a particular place in the market and, and what it really represents. I think it's just amazing. Can I can I lean into one thing? Um, you talked about the scents, specifically the Australian natives and so forth. Um, tell me if I'm wrong, but my understanding is that you have relatively a core range. So for example, my favorite is the Bohemian Lime. I wear it all the time. And every time I do, people ask me, you know, well, what that is. Um, but you have scents that come in and out depending on uh, perhaps seasons or whatever else. Can you talk to me about this? How does this happen? Do, do you and the team identify a particular native ingredient and try to build a scent from that? Do, do you, I just wonder what the process there is of actually creating one of your specialty fragrances. Mm, it depends. It depends on, on the raw materials. Sometimes we have, 
um, sometimes myself, I'm looking for new things, new raw ingredients, um, something interesting. Um, and often we, we have the opportunity to, we work with beautiful fragrance houses, you know, the most renowned ones. And we have the opportunity today that sometimes they send us like an accord or an Australian native that they have extracted or recreated. Um, and that's how Bohemian Lime, for example, was born. You know, we worked with Givaudan. Givaudan one day sent me a parcel and they said, Dimitri, look, here are five Australian native ingredients that we have in our, in our palettes, that's in our perfumer's palette. Um, you know, we, we would be interested in working with you. And in, and in that palette was finger lime or caviar lime, which is a native. And, um, mm. and as soon as I smelt it, I thought, well, that's an interesting note, unusual. You know, it's not lemon, it's not yeah. mandarin, orange, it's unusual. And that's how I built my fragrance around that one ingredient. Um, so that's, uh, that's one of them. Um, sometimes I, I, I like, um, certain things that are a bit different. Like I'm not the kind of person who, who will do like the, the traditional, um, I don't know, um, scents with eucalyptus or whatever. Um, but I'm, I'm going for the more, uh, challenging ingredients, the ones that are more interesting and have depth, um, and are rich. So, but we have natives and we also have ingredients that are not native to this country, but um, that are very interesting and harvested here. The seeds come from overseas, like we have lavender. Did you know that this country is harvesting lavender since in more than 100 years in Tasmania? And it's the same quality as the French lavender. It's the lavande du pays. So it's a specific species. It's been growing in 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 in, uh, in Tasmania, and um, on top of that, it's it's it, it the environment where it grows and where it's harvested. There's hardly any pollution, so you, you can only imagine the quality of that lavender versus a lavender from the Provence, where you have so much pollution in Europe and you know right. the, so many pesticides and whatever. Um, and that's what uh, that's what interests me is to know which ingredients have a beautiful story to tell and if I like it and, and mm, yeah. And some, a, a lot of ingredients are very medicinal as well. Don't forget they're great for skincare. They're great for body care, um, but they're not necessarily amazing for perfumes because they might be a bit restrictive. Um, but yeah, I, I always find things that are interesting. Yeah. In, in that too, I, um, I would assume that when you're looking at the statistics of the sales, uh, I'm presuming some things might be slightly more popular than others. The reason I ask this question is I've always wondered in a way because you pioneered uh, a perfume range or a fragrance range specifically under your direction, you were somewhat leading or teaching the public, so to speak, or the consumers about what's actually possible. And you're saying you make it a bit more interesting and, and push the boundaries rather than doing something that's very generic. It's interesting because uh, when you do that, a lot of companies tend to go for the safe middle ground because, you know, on sales, they know a lot of this kind of thing sells and therefore they tend to kind of push back into more generic kind of sense or, or products or what have you. But I noticed with, with obviously Goldfield and Banks, you really do things that are quite different. Mm -hmm. Is it true that, I mean, I, I presume that your audiences um, actually really like the fact that you're introducing them to new things that might be a little bit more challenging and a little bit more different. Oh. Um, and it's a, it's a different relationship there. Well, don't forget this the, the, uh, perfumery is one of the most competitive 
industries on the planet. <laughs> There's thousands of brands, thousands of fragrances coming out every year. So your story has to be different, unique, um, and you have to, you know, I come from a generation where I was fortunate enough to work at YSL when the designer was still alive, you know. It's not that I can say that today that, oh, my God, I used to work in a, in a fragrance house or fashion house where the designer is alive um, because they're all dead. Um, but um, <laughs> but but we were thought with is there to make you dream, to set your mood, uh, to seduce, you know, perfumery needs to be very interesting. You're calm enough to take your audience on a journey. That's what it's all about. That, that's, that's how you stand out. That's how you stand out. And that's probably the biggest advantage that I have being in Sydney, in Australia, is being each other. And, you know, at the end, nobody knows what to do anymore, what to create, what to come up with. And being here, I'm very much inspired. And it feeds me, you know, um, to have the space. And um, I'm fortunate enough to travel as well. So in the country and um so so yeah uh, that's probably my biggest asset is to make people dream and to take them on something new mm. that they didn't explore before like most of our customers didn't even know that sandalwood today all the sandalwood in the fragrance in the world coming from chanel to dior um is still you know comes from australia from western australia yes we do harvest indian sandalwood yeah we are you know, the world's biggest exporter today of sandalwood so uh, it's it's interesting and i love that uh, i really like that aspect of my my of my let's say my art is to to have people be to to yeah be people be interested in in what we do mm. Mm. and to offer a different quality as well yeah of of perfumery with ingredients that are you know coming from australia we are so known for the quality of our ingredients so that's great to hear. I mean, it's making me very proud to be Australian in that respect. And I mean, I'm from a European country just like you, but mm -hmm. I've lived here long enough to consider myself Australian. So, <laughs> by the way, um, how long have you lived in Australia? I've actually lived here now for eight and a half years. Yeah, okay. I don't know. So it's a decent amount of time. Yeah. yeah. Do, you miss, do you miss home and do you miss the, the French approach or the European approach to things? Oh, yes, of course. <laughs> of course, I'm going back. I'm flying back next week. Uh, no, no, not next week. Next month, sorry, <laughs> in September. Um, but uh, of course, I miss. There's a lot of things that I miss. But, you know, I go back and forth. I, I travel a couple of times a year, go back, and then I soak, you know, I soak all the culture and I, I, I you know, I, I get all the, you know, all the, the good ideas. And, and there's a lot of things that I miss and that I carry with me when I fly back so that I have enough content, enough stuff, enough things to process and to um like you know like i mean it's it's like the art of packaging uh for example we have in france some of the most amazing techniques in crafting packagings paperwork um graphic designers um you know artisans that create beautiful things like you know press documents and 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 you know yes the art you know, it's, so it's. I find it sometimes harder to find it here in Australia. Mm. That's for sure. But look, that's the great thing about Goldfield and Banks is that yes, we are an Australian brand, and you know we use Australian natives, and our fragrances, you know, celebrate the extraordinary beauty of the country. But applying a French methodology, and you know, um, adding some French um, touches in in arts and crafts, or 
whatever you call it, um, makes the brand quite beautiful and 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 you, it offers the best of both worlds. You know, sort of like a yes. uh, an Australian. It's like a designer in Paris. You know, you, when you have a couture house, um, a couture designer is is happy in Paris when they work with fabrics from India and and you know the cottons from Belgium and you have silk from you know middle east and yep. so that's what makes it beautiful you know you have bits mm. everything i'm getting the um sense too that in your work so uh, in order to bring a product to market from inception right through to the packaging and it being in stores and distribution um tell me if i'm wrong but it sounds like the way you do this is you lean into a lot of very strong partnerships with whether it be fragrance houses creatives um, oh yeah. People, so it, it seems like you're the creative director of the whole entire thing, but there's a lot of strings being pulled um, through different relationships and, and partnerships in order for things to happen. Because how many people do you have working at Goldfield and Banks? Yeah. Well, we have about um, oh my god, we have about eight people in the team, and then we have about ten ten people um on retainers and then of course we have all our manufacturing overseas awesome. we have the people who look at it so yeah it's um it's quite a small team actually when you think about it yeah for what you achieve it is yeah uh, no no but we we are in the midst of recruiting now obviously you know as soon as you grow a little bit you can take some you can take some some risks um on the other hand um you know, sometimes it's also good to work with less people. Um, I work very hard, I, you know, sometimes I, which is terrible, but um, <laughs> I just get things done my way. Sometimes it's hard to, there's a very big difference between Australian work ethic and European work ethic. And, um, and yeah, it's, it's just, yeah, it's very different. So, um, um, yeah, I, I keep it very tight. Yeah. But I guess that's what I was leaning into this, that you've got a relatively small team for the worldwide distribution that you've got and the products that, that exist. Yeah. But the way you essentially have a greater team of relationships with other businesses and other organizations is what makes this possible. And in a way, if you had a very large team, it would probably kind of be difficult for you to have a, a tight control of that. Actually, I, I didn't mean to ask this. I hope you don't mind me asking it. Um you know, you, you talk about the amount of work that you put in, which is undoubtful. Um, I wonder, is that, what is the hardest part of what you do? Because in a way, you know, I think of your position in the market right now and what you've achieved. You must be very content that you followed your passion, your natural talent, that you've got a product which is celebrated. You are representing Australia. It is well received. You know, you get to do exciting things where you're pushing boundaries with your customers who are responsive to that. In all of that, apart from the high amount of work, is there anything else that's that's probably the toughest challenge of what you do? Uh, it's dealing with the overseas markets. I mean, obviously, ninety okay. percent of our business is overseas. Um, our, our manufacturing today is overseas. Our, you know, our glass makers are in in France. You know, the people that make our caps are in France. Um, my team, some of my team members are in 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 Paris. Um, so liaising constantly, you know, um, being on high alert all the time and following everything because we're, you know, we're a small company, um, that makes it very challenging because it's constant. It's 24 hours. Mm. Um, 
and and that's the biggest challenge is is we are so far away we're very remote on this planet um and yeah things would just be slightly easier if we were just based in paris and <laughs> and have one meeting with australia once a month um but yeah but th- th- that's it i mean obviously things are changing as 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 i i employ more people um they take on more responsibilities so we have less meetings with the overseas markets more, more, less frequently um and then the traveling i mean i love traveling but i have to admit that a 24 hour mm. trip to Europe is always a big challenge and you know and I'm 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 48 this year I'm very young very. but I have to admit that the um how do you call it the, the jet lag is is oh my god it's it's so hard it's very hard mm. so there's a few few challenges like that but look you know what there's people that have terrible situations I'm very fortunate I have to admit I'm very fortunate no indeed um actually I was, I was wondering on this you know if you're not working this hard and and outside of the idea of scent and and fashion what have you what do you do to recharge you know to to Um, get new perspectives to kind of not not think about work because i could imagine your passion is what drives you to work so hard um but if you just for a moment when you need to kind of just just take a different Mm -hmm. stance on things and what do you do in your spare time if there is such a thing Yeah, well, I mean, there's not much spare time, but I do, my partner and I, we have a property up in Port Douglas, mm-hmm. and I personally love interior design. I you know, I miss that because I used to do it when I was overseas, um, but I love shopping and decorating and entertaining and um, daydreaming, spending time on daydreaming, which is something that I never used to do, but as you get older, I think it's it's something new that I've been I've been I've been doing lately is daydreaming. Just take the time to daydream. Mm. Um, but yeah, I, I, I like to go up north to my house and and yeah, have my friends around, and um, that's probably what I do the most. Yeah, I can actually switch off out of thinking about the business and enjoying. Oh. I mean, you know, the location that you've mentioned is very much nature based, so I'm presuming you just love being surrounded by nature and the quietness of it all yes. it's not a particularly busy place so i could imagine that's probably what it is it's the opposite of the hustle and bustle of the everyday that you're dealing with yeah of the everyday it's not so much that i see a lot of people it's more the pressure of um you know, doing so many things mm-hmm. <laughs> um it's no no but it's i mean i think it's every every uh company owner will have the same challenges i i i guess yeah but then i like to travel and i like to see my family as well overseas and my friends and um yeah it's it's good and it's good to be surrounded by really good friends as well 100 percent. i couldn't agree more um we've only got a couple of minutes i know i have to let you go so i was just going to finish it up on one one question and that is there is likely to be uh audiences listening to this that you know we'll we'll kind of get driven by this story to think I would love to be in that world. Now I'm going to say that world a little bit more generally. I don't want to say purely yeah. fragrances. Yeah. And it was interesting listening to your background and how you did all the bits and pieces in Australia. Though, um, do you have any advice for those who might like to pursue a career in this space mm-hmm. and and how they'd go about it here, considering that the um, amount of opportunities they might have is obviously a lot less than in Europe, which is a bit more given as we discussed at the beginning. I know, I know, I know. Well, I think one of the things is, first of all, you need to be passionate. Without the passion, um, without the drive 
you don't get anywhere if you don't have it it's hopeless uh, you need to have that you need to be surrounded by good people um um and whatever you do just you know i mean like i was lucky in this fragrance industry to to have worked in on on the shop floor and 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 in merchandising and backing orders filling fragrances uh you know doing so many things mm. you know and i've acquired the experience first from the bottom on that's very important yeah um and never be pretentious and say oh i don't need that because you know i'm i can do this and i can do that uh be humble i mean i've been that's one of the things where people i get along well with a lot of people and i've always been very humble i'm not the kind of person who you know um who you know raves always about what i'm doing and, and be very humble and just work and just you know do your thing um but and travel be curious not a lot of people are curious be curious travel around the world if you can even on a low budget i'm pretty sure you can see the most amazing things um it's and and, and yeah be, yeah that's that's yeah. my my advice and obviously have a very good accountant have a very good lawyer <laughs> um you do make mistakes in life that's for sure and i've made plenty in my career and plenty over the last few years but um be surrounded by good good uh yeah good good people and, and good advisors mm. and um and and yeah and a good and a great team having a great team is is probably it's not always easy obviously but um yeah it's it's de it definitely um it definitely helps thank you i think i think that's very very helpful and then you know what and then money is secondary yeah you know what i mean if you have all that like i started my business i started goldfield and mains i had twenty thousand euros and you know eight years ago that was worth not much now it's probably mm. a bit more um but you know what that's how i started that's how i started with a little bit of money so you know but you had the knowledge and you had the passion and then yeah. you know that money was just enough to get you going it's possible to do it that way yeah it's incredible and i know i don't know if i could do it again today i mean as i get older but <laughs> it's definitely interesting well you don't have to that's a good news you are where you are and you should be very happy humbly very happy about where you are because you know you're very celebrated in in terms of the work that you've done you. um dimitri Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. I know I have to let you go because, again, you're a very hard worker and all the rest of it. I really appreciate this time. Thanks. It's been lovely to actually meet you face-to-face -face properly uh, after all this time. Oh, face-to-face, even though it's online. <laughs> yeah, fantastic. Thank you so much for having me on your podcast. And, um, and yeah, I mean, enjoy wearing Bohemian Lime. I'm very, oh, very every day. proud you're wearing Bohemian Lime. I love hearing that. <laughs> Absolutely love it. Absolutely love it. Thank, Thank you. you so much, Dimitri. I appreciate the chat. Much. And I'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Thank you, Ashley. Have a lovely day. You too. Bye. 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 So there you have it. That was my conversation with Dimitri. It probably should be stated that the fragrances are now stocked in massive places around the world. I'm not going to read them all out here, but it's worth knowing that we're speaking to a global force and all representing Australian natives, which is just fantastic. Now, I don't want you all running out and purchasing Bohemian Lime to smell like me, but it's worth having a look at the website and seeing the range of products they have on there. It's really quite interesting what they tap into in terms of that kind of development that we discussed in the podcast. 
If you have some ideas that you'd like to share with me around what guests I should have on the podcast next, then please reach out to me. Many of you have. They've been fantastic ideas. I've been able to get those guests. So it's just wonderful hearing back from you. Ashley underscore Ferrode at Outlook.com is the email. And if you prefer Instagram, then at Behind the Bio Podcast is the way to get me there. Again, I'd like to thank Super Curious for being the partners in this entire podcast series. And I hope you can catch me at the next episode of Behind the Bio.